Oops, that's... <laughs> that's the wrong one, folks. Sorry about that. Let me get the right music, because this is Voice of Christian Israel, not Bloodlines and uh, Computer Glitch. Let's try this again. Here we go. Come on, play. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here. This is the Voice of Christian Israel, Sunday, January 17, 2021. And because we're living in an age where words are being redefined to mean the exact opposite of what they used to mean when, when we were growing up, that uh, we have to really dodge, dodge the propaganda such as the term equality, okay? Uh, the Founding Fathers would say things like we're all born equal in terms of the, the fact that we're human beings and uh, we have certain qualities, you know, like two feet and vocal cords, etc., etc. However, there was no equality uh, in terms of po political standing or economic standing or anything like that. The Founding Fathers did not believe that that's a Masonic concept, okay? So today we're living with the Masonic, the equality of outcome, rather the, the, the equality of opportunity. Uh, good morning, David, uh, Pastor David Martins from South Africa. I'm sure you found that this uh, double-edged sword of equality is true in South Africa as well. Yes, good evening, Pastor Eli, and also good evening to our listeners across the globe. Uh, Pastor, yes, you're perfectly right on that. Um, the whole thing about this so-called equality, uh, the moment that you look, or if you go back over the past, let's say, 25, 30, 35 years, you will find that 35 years ago, there was no such thing as Human rights. There yeah. was no such thing as <laughs> right. <laughs> there was yeah. no such thing as children's rights. There was yet the children were happy. They were. Um, I nearly used the word gay. They were happy <laughs> and smiling. Yeah, um, because they had all the rights that they that they needed. They had all the rights that they that they wanted. But the moment that you start dissecting individuals or groups into who has rights and who hasn't got rights, the moment that you, well, our experience here in South Africa, the moment that you gave these exclusive rights to the blacks, right. it basically meant that you, you're depriving the whites of the, those very same rights that you have now given to the blacks. Now, if you consider that the rights of the human, the, the, the rights of the whites have been so infringed that over the past 27 years, and even before that, because the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners wanted to impress and to uh, uplift the blacks at the expense of the whites. And the first ones who lost their jobs were the Boers. Right. Because... And, and this is just that the, 
And it seems to me as if the only white people who still hold positions in corporations, large corporations and large businesses are those that have seated themselves in the Masonic chairs. Right. Because they are the dictators to the circumstances that we find ourselves living in. And in this process, I believe there's something like 27 squatter camps, white squatter camps in and around Pretoria alone. Pastor, I'm talking about perhaps um, at, at least about 55, 60% of the, the, the white people in South Africa have been resorting to living in squatter camps. And with most probably about 85 to 90% of those people being boomers who have been disenfranchised, marginalized and stolen of their property by the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners over the past 364 years. Right. That's the reality. Yeah, isn't it credible uh, that those who preach equality the most, namely the liberal left and, uh, of course, the Jews and the Freemasons, are the ones who uh, try to deprive white people of it the most, okay? Well, it's it's incredible. Go ahead. In South Africa, it is depriving not just the white people by um, by definition, Pastor, but in particular, having deprived the Boer people all the days from the establishment or from the first Boers that arrived as settlers in the Cape. Um, I'm talking way back in 1657. Okay. Because the Boers were utilized as white slaves. Right. And even a Canadian... Um, writer, historian who wrote about the Boer, the Anglo-Boer War, wrote about the atrocities that the Edomite Cape Dutch had exercised over the Boers right from the inception of this country's establishment down in the Cape. And that is a very sad history of the Boers always working, slaving, for what they have, only to find it that it is being that they have they are being removed from that which they had worked for, and the Boers having to leave every time and going on a trek f- further and further away from these Edomites, and the Edomites continuously catching up to the Boers and annex and annexing mm-hmm. that which they had developed, that which they had. Uh, uh, form that the, that which they have encountered, or rather that they have made uh, the, that part of the country that they have tamed, was continuously annexed by the Edomites, up to the point where they even succumbed to the British, and then still the Edomite Dutch. Apart from the British, the Edomite Cape Dutch still uh, parasited of the Boers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to quote here from, uh, this is uh, from the founding uh, of the American Heritage Education Foundation, the principle of popular sovereignty, the people's rule in the U.S. Declaration and the Constitution. Now, even here, it's very difficult to get an undistorted viewpoint from the authors because they always claim that the founding fathers believed in equality for all. No, they didn't. <laughs> they absolutely did not. The, the, what the founding fathers were trying to get away from was the divine right of kings and the oppressive religious, religious systems of Europe, namely the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church. Okay, hmm. And that's what they were objecting to, and they wanted freedom from that. Okay, and being yeah. free from that, that's a form of equality, <laughs> right? So we can be free to practice our religion in our own terms, not have the, the religious terms forced upon us by an oppressive government, okay? Mm. Only to that extent did they believe in equality. And it, it, it proves uh, beyond, a shadow, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and if you read the writings of the founding uh, founding fathers of America, they understood that every person has different, uh, you know, educational and uh, you know, intellectual 
and physical differences that there can no be no such thing as absolute equality. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anywhere. Not in the universe. It doesn't exactly. exist. Yeah. And um, well, yeah. go ahead. The, the only the only thing that I deem to be um, uh, a, a defendable statement is to call it a uh, equality in terms of opportunity. Right. There Those that can exploit that opportunity and develop it and utilize it to further themselves, so be it. Yeah, but those that that don't bother to uh, utilize or to, um, to to exploit that possibility or that equality, uh, I mean, we've seen this throughout history. It's even written so in the scriptures that the lazy ones will never get anywhere. Right. They'll never get anywhere. So are they equal or not? <laughs> well, we're not Definitely as equally not. As, as lazy as they are, right? So, well, well there's, there's, there's a saying in South Africa that all people are created equal except others are more equal than others. Right, sure. Right. Yeah, Orwell exploited that theme, you know, in uh, an animal farm. <laughs> right? Yeah. By which we understand some Jews are more equal than other Jews, right? Or Jews are more equal than the rest of us. But uh, in, in bringing to mind the founding of America, and the reason why I'm bringing this up today is because uh, our our republic is uh, being threatened to the very uh, breaking point. We're expecting civil war here. We're expecting another American revolution. The Joe Biden uh, incoming administration, which is most likely to happen on the 20th, is going to try to take our guns away, uh, our, our religious liberty. And he's already come out and stated that all white males are uh, terrorists. Okay. So this is what we can expect yeah. from the new regime. Okay, and uh, blanket liberalism slash communism is coming, and we had better be, be ready to fight for our equality because we are being deemed unequal by the left. That's what the so the yeah. movement that has preached equality since the French Revolution says now, okay, all well, no, we didn't mean it that way. We always meant that white people aren't equal. <laughs> Right? This is what yeah. they really meant. This is what the communists really mean. Okay. Well, in in in, in those days of the founding farmer, uh, fathers of the USA, there weren't any blacks in the country as yet. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. was not part of the equation at all. Yes. And they didn't count Indians. And and the very fir the first three immigration laws that were passed by the first Congress all stated that in order to become a U.S. citizen, you had to be a free white person, and you had to reside in one of the uh, one of the states, take up residence mm -hmm. in one of the states. So, the the specific requirement was that you had to be white. Okay, very clear. Yes, exactly. But of course, the politicians ignore that today, and since the uh, creation of the Fourteenth Amendment, which gave a kind of a a second-class citizenship to everybody, a federal citizenship, which was not intended by the U.S. Constitution, we were intended to be state citizens. They uh, mm. they create this equality between the races, which not even Abraham Lincoln was in favor of. Abraham Lincoln yeah. stated that he wanted the blacks to go back to Africa. And uh, right. he was part of a society, you know, not that you need any more of them, right? But uh, yeah. he did not believe in racial equality, and he did not believe in giving blacks the franchise. He said uh, the best well, he would... Go ahead. Um, I've stumbled across a rather old document, Pastor, Mm -hmm. which actually reveals the role of the Dutch deformed, or sorry, reformed church mm -hmm. in the meddling in the uh, meddling in the uh, events and the, the the interests of the people, and they call them the patriots. Okay, and I've made a tremendous discovery about the patriots, Pastor, and I'll talk that about that at a later stage, but the way in which the Dutch Reformed Church meddled in the affairs of 
New York or New Amsterdam or as it was called at some stage, New Orange. Okay, <laughs> right. Because... Because of the, the uh, you and I know that the Dutch West and Indian Company uh, were the, the those that established a dictatorship virtually run yeah. by the Dutch East Dutch West Company. The Jewish bankers, yeah. The it's, Jewish it's, bankers. Yeah. Yeah, they financed Cromwell to invade England and uh, bring the Jews back to England. Uh, you know, and then they, they, their Jewish... Uh, practice of monopoly worldwide that's what the dutch east india company and west india company promoted as global monopoly all right yeah and using the military of whatever nation happened to be in their clutches to push their monopoly to foreign nations like china and india etc okay this is this is the history yeah go ahead it's not just the monopoly on products and the uh, being the merchants of uh, those particular products across the globe, but Opium. also the state religion of the Dutch state, mm-hmm. yeah, which of course the Dutch uh, the, the the Dutch Reformed Church, yeah, which is kind of like manifest destiny of uh, D- Dutch business and religion <laughs> being promoted everywhere, yes. right? You know, uh, yeah, it's absolutely. it's incredible. You know, but uh, very few people are aware of uh, this history because it invariably brings up the Jewish question, and you do not want to talk about the Jewish question except here at Eurofolk Radio. Okay, so uh, I just but the reason I brought this up is because America is in this crisis stage, just as you your country was in a crisis stage when Mandela became president, and of course South Africa has degenerated. Dramatically, with the rights yeah. of white people being utterly destroyed, open season on white people. I declared when Obama was elected president that it would be open season on white people, and it has been. Okay. Mm. But that's what they call equality. All right. That's what they yeah. call equality. All right. But they don't believe in responsibility. So they don't take responsibility when they come become equal to us in economic terms. Uh, they don't take the responsibility of paying taxes, right, of becoming full-fledged citizens. They, they love to sponge off the government. That's typically what happens when you have a welfare state. The non-whites sponge off the government and the white people pay. So no matter what happens... Mm. When you have a multicultural society, white people lose. And unfortunately, too many white people don't understand that our father and his son, uh, King Yahshua, uh, they want us to remain separate from the other races. There is no equality of races preached in Scripture, none whatsoever. Yes, okay. well, one of the, the greatest deceptions that we have all fallen for is to believe that all the white people are the descendants of the house of Jacob. Because that is what the churches propagate, and that is also what I mm-hmm. see daily. I, I mean, um, postings on, on, um, on, on social media is riddled with the concept that all white people are the descendants of the house of Jacob. Now, that is an absolute deception mm-hmm. by the Edomites. Because the Edomites themselves are deemed to be white, they um, present themselves to be white. And if I look, I've got a a diagram that actually shows the the various nations that were formed out of the three sons of Noah. And it is only a very small portion of the descendants of the three sons of Noah, in particular the son of Shem, whom were the elect by the almighty Yahweh Mm -hmm. to be a people peculiar unto him. And any, well, it was even forbidden for the house of Jacob to have any social contact with the Midianites. And the Midianites descended from the fourth son that Abraham had with Keturah. Right. So it, 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 it isn't sufficient unto Father Yahweh that you're descendant of Abraham. You had to be a descendant of Abraham as well as 
a descendant of the house of Isaac, mm-hmm. as well as the descendant of the house of Jacob. In other words, it's a very clear defined bloodline. Not Esau. Esau was excluded from this. Right. Hagar's um, son Ishmael was excluded from this exclusivity. That's right. That Father Yahweh chose the house mm-hmm. of Jacob for. Yes. And it was only, it was also unto this house of Jacob, this exclusive people that he had elected unto himself, that he had given his scriptures, that he had given his promises, that he had given his um, uh, um, uh, uh, covenants to. Not yes. with anybody other than those that had been in slavery in Egypt and that had been led out by Moses. Those are the ones, the only ones that he had, had made this covenant with that at the end of the day that he would provide a, a redeemer, the Messiah Yeshua that would come to redeem the people from their sins, that would come as a shepherd unto the house of Jacob. And even with the Matthew fifteen twenty four, wherein Yeshua said, I hath not come but for the dispersed, not lost, dispersed. Father Yahweh never said that he would have his people go lost. He said that he would disperse his people across the globe to the uttermost ends of the earth. But the Edomites, having translated the scriptures, want the house of Jacob to believe that they are lost. Because if they they believe that they are lost, their aim would be to forever battle to regain their status. And that is why the church then comes and we are the bride, we are the bride, we are the bride. And nowhere there's, yeah. is there scripture that Father yeah. Yahweh chose a bride. He chose a nation or a, yeah. more clearly, the house of Jacob to be a, a peculiar people and a... Um, people unto him. Yes. Holy unto him. Yeah. Well, Nimberhorst put in a quotation from uh, Harold Wallace Rosenthal, who was a uh, a Jew, who basically admitted that the Jews are behind this whole experiment in equality. And uh, he, he states, through religion, we have gained complete control of society, government, and economics. No law has ever passed except its merits have previously been taught from the pulpits. An example of this is race equality, which led to integration and ultimately to mongolization. The gullible clergy in one breath instruct their parishioners that we are a special chosen people, while in another breath proclaim all the races are the same, right? So uh, so this is a yeah. kind of crazy equality that the Jews preach, and white gullible Christians have swallowed it whole, okay? But uh, mm. the founders of America never believed in such garbage, they never believed that. Exactly. Yeah, they were uh, they were just coming out of the so-called equality of the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church, which they all ultimately totally rejected. Okay, so uh, there's there's no possibility that they uh, believed in any of this nonsense. They knew that there were lazy people even among our own, and that there were you know uh, what do you call it uh, thieves among us etc., etc., and they had yeah. to be accommodated for in the law so that they couldn't take advantage of the rest of the people. So, you know, are thieves equal to the rest of us? Of course not. You know, murderers, yeah. you know, etc. You know, these people are not all equal. There is no such thing as equality, period, okay? Yeah. Even us Israelites, we have our, our individual ideas of, you know, what, what it means to me to, me to be equal, and, but it's always in terms of equal opportunity, never in terms of equality of outcome. So whatever the founding fathers had in mind, which is not equality of outcome, is, is more certainly uh, related to equality of opportunity. Okay, so yeah. the way America, now this is the reason I want to bring this up, the way America came into being was because of the preaching of many uh, revival preachers who whose basic premise was that the colonists were a bunch of sinners who needed to repent. Okay? Mm. 
And uh, at that time, the 13 colonies, before they became a nation, and even though we had uh, the, the, the pre-revolutionary uh, conglomeration of colonies, it was, not, it was not a political alliance. Each state, each colony had pretty much its own rules, and they never mingled much, okay? But when these yeah. preachers started going from one colony to another— and preaching repentance, preaching revival and repentance, that sparked a, a, a revolutionary spirit. Not not in the sense of a political, you know, obviously involves political, but it was t- totally yes. biblical. It was Christian, yes, 100% Christian in orientation, and not 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 purely political. Okay, mm-hmm. and but it was all based on repentance. That uh, unless we repent of our sins. Yahweh God will not bless us. Okay? So exactly. this is this is what has it's happened in America. In, in, yeah, go ahead. It, that is exactly what is spelled out in um, Deuteronomy uh, 28. Mm-hmm. Because it's all, everything, Father Yahweh tests us for our obedience to Him. And if we're not obedient, that is when He sends the sword right. to pursue us. And then he says, by sending the sword, he is chastising his people. And if we don't allow ourselves to be chastised by him in the one way, by by withholding rain, example, he's going to chastise us with pestilences and with diseases. Yeah, and liberalism. If we're not chastised <laughs> by that. Right. Yes, but that is exactly what Father always says. And yes. then he takes us to the next level where he's going to uh, uh, send the sword after us and he's going to disperse us across the whole planet to the uttermost ends of the earth. And if we, if, if we get to those uttermost ends of the earth, we should not make covenants and agreements with the people of the land and, unto which he sends us. And right. if we do, and he tests us, he will... Eventually, he says he will give us over to the beasts of the field for our, for oh, our wives and our daughters to be raped by the beasts of the field. That's right. And that's what we're seeing today in a, in a, in a massive scale. Okay. So, uh, so clearly, we are not obeying Yahweh's laws as a people. And we, the remnant, are the only ones keeping his laws alive. And so... We can predict what the outcome of this is going to be. There is no political solution. There is only a a biblical solution, which if we don't follow, uh, our race is doomed. Okay? As as our enemy has declared, they want to exterminate us. That's what they mean by equality. Okay? That's what they mean by equality. So here, here are some of the names uh, of of that revival. That uh, revival. This is why I'm so glad that you're promoting these humbling activities in, in South Africa, because that's what this Reformation or this revival uh, and of, of is all about. That's what it's all about. Okay. Uh, so exactly. one of these men was Samuel Rutherford. Following the Protestant Reformation, a Christian revival that rejected the authority of the Pope and asserted the need for religious reforms in the church, some European Reformed political writers rose up and challenged the divine right of kings. Well, the, you know, obviously the institution of Israelite kings was established by Yahweh, but there were always mm. there were conditions, namely that the, the kings had to obey his laws as well, okay, which yeah. many of them did not do. So, And if they did not do that, it was the right of the people to remove them, okay? Uh, well, calling, in fact... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry if I can interject at this point, Pastor. Um, It is very evident in the scriptures that Father Yahweh deals with the people in the way that the kings of the people deal with Father Yahweh. So if the people did not remove the king, they would be punished along with in the same way as the king would be punished. And that we see again and again as the one king that that ruled over Yasharel, Mm-hmm. I prefer to use Yasharel instead of Israel because Israel has a different meaning. Okay, and it's also, it is also the 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 title Israel is also part of the 
uh, deception of the Edomites so that they can claim that they are Israel, those that have fought against God and man and one. And that is why they, in, individuals, right. for example, like Soros and uh, Rockefeller and Kissinger, call themselves gods. They say, yeah, right. uh, I mean, Soros has been in public saying that he is God. He considers himself to be a god, yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, yeah. And, the, and also with the, um, what they did with the name uh, that Jacob's name was changed to Yasharel, which means prince that rules with Elohim. Right. They did the same with the name of uh, the tribe, or the, 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 the well, the, um, with the, they did the same with the name of Yehuda. They changed it to a shorter term of Jew. And that, that of course, gave rise to the name Jew. Mm-hmm. And that is also why they have such a, a claim on the name Judah, because if it was not for the fact that they had concocted the name of Yehuda, which means that I will praise Yahweh. Yeah. I mean, when, when Leah gave birth to her fourth son from Jacob, she said, well, she, she yeah, Yahweh be praised. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that is why she named the fourth son Yahuda, which mm-hmm. means Yahweh be praised. Yes. And that is, it's very evident that the Edomites removed the name of Yahweh out of the name Yahuda. And turned it into Jew. <laughs> right? Turned it um, into Jew. Yeah, it so, is all part and parcel of the Edomites' uh, annexation, or rather hijacking of the identity of Jacob. Right, right. So this article I'm reading from, the founding.net a principle of popular sovereignty, it continues, the founders argued for popular sovereignty based on the practice of the ancient Israelites in the Bible. The pseudonymed French Huguenot writer Stephen Junius Brutus, in his 1579 Vindicae contra Tyrannos, or Defense of Liberty Against Tyrants, as well as Scottish Presbyterian minister and Westminster Abbey member Samuel Rutherford, in his 1644 Lex Rex, or The Law and the Prince, looked to the example of the Israelites who chose their first king in 1 Samuel 10, 11, and 12. In these verses, the Israelites asked God through the prophet Samuel for a king. In response and following God's direction, Samuel anointed Saul. However, Saul did not become king until he was confirmed by the people's consensus. Okay, we, t- we tend to forget that the people uh, consented and uh, they, they voted and they said, yeah, let, yeah. Let's, have Saul, uh, let's have him king. All right? They regretted it ever since, (laughs) but nevertheless, okay, okay. So as Brutus and Rutherford observed, God granted the Israelites a role in choosing their king. And so a scriptural Mm -hmm. basis for popular sovereignty exists. Brutus explains, quote, we have demonstrated that God institutes kings and elects them. We now say that the people constitute kings, confer kingdoms, and approve the election by its votes. Rutherford also cited Second Chronicles 22 and 23, in which Queen Athalia usurped the, the throne of Judah without the people's consent and was consequently overthrown by the people. Rutherford mm. concludes that the power of creating a man a king is from the people, but only from the people of Yahweh, I would add. Yeah. Okay? Exactly. All right? So... Popular sovereignty is in the scriptures, and the founding fathers exercised that and established it in the Constitution, and they maintained the posterity of uh, Jacob Israel within the the framework of the U.S. Constitution. They did not want to integrate with the non-whites, and uh, and their religion was exclusively Christian, they were not. uh, They did not consider the other religions outside of Christianity to be equal. And, of course, the religion of Christianity itself says, no one comes through the Father but through me, right? There's no equality of religions. So, and they considered that Christianity was religion, everything else was heathenism. So all of these yeah. ideas that we, that our country was founded on are being attacked 
tremendously, and the, the meanings of the, the words are being distorted so that uh, the average American doesn't even know what the origin of the country was. It is, in fact, based on principles, and uh, the, uh, the slogan of the American Revolution was, No King But Jesus! Something else, Pastor, that um, I also need to interject here is that initially with the um, establishment of the Constitution, the Jews didn't have any rights either. That's right. Because they were not deemed to be white. Right. That's correct. That's correct. In fact, the uh, the colonists tried to keep the Jews out as much as possible. But again, the guilty culprit was the Dutch East India Corporation, which had established itself as a trading corporation in, for example, Pennsylvania and, uh, and the Anglican comp- colony where Jamestown was located and uh, Maryland, okay, yeah. Because the, for some reason, the Catholics have never really had a major problem with Jews. The popes had always, even though they had issued statements against usury, had always cooperated with Jews nonetheless, okay, whenever they needed money. <laughs> well, one, one, one can ask the question, why did the, um, the, the um, uh, Confederates, why did the Confederates did not want to share power, if I can call it that, with the Jews, because they were persecuted by the Jews in Europe. Right. Yeah. One must remember that, because because um, uh, uh, with with Calvinism, John Cohen was a Jew, and he established Calvinism. John Knox was a Jew. So was Zwingli from Switzerland. Uh-huh. They were all Jews. Okay. And yeah. and the Confederates, like the Boers, uh, of course, a, a, a group of people that established a covenant with Father Yahweh, exactly the same way in which the Boers had yes. the Loftefolk or the people of the covenant with Father Yahweh. Now, many of the Boers don't realize that um, uh, in, in many cases, those that came as settlers to South Africa, the families were split. Part of the family ended up on a different vessel that ended up in 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 uh, the, what was then called the New World, and that was um, going west. So part of the family came to South Africa. The other part of the family went to USA, and they ended up being the pioneers and the Confederates because they also made covenants with Father Yahweh. Yes. Yes. So another aspect of yes, yeah. An, another aspect of this revival, again as I said, it was the preaching of these itinerant pastors uh, calling the people to repentance and to break up their political uh, differences and find unity in the gospel in in the in the Bible, okay? So it says here this is a different article. The Great Awakening was an evangelical revival of Christianity that swept through the American colonies in the early to mid-1700s and influenced societal changes in religion and politics. The revival was called Great, say historians, because it affected many regions and aspects of colonial life, and it was an awakening because it led to increased spiritual life and devotion among Americans. So actually, Americans before the creation of the U.S. Constitution and the creation of our country were pretty much a disobedient, uh, devil-may-care, <laughs> you know, bunch of drunkards and uh, rabble-rousers living in different, in different mm. states, okay? It took this great awakening, which was a spiritual... Yes biblical revival to organize yeah. them into a nation that's what it took uh, pastor just as a matter of interest just as a matter of interest looking at those pictures of uh, those uh, the saint robert Bellarmine. Mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, can, can you see that picture yes yeah just just look at that face do you, do you see a jew in that picture yeah well, he's a jesuit Robert Bellarmine was Going a down Jesuit. to the next one, yeah. Francisco Suarez. Yeah, right. Can you yeah, see another, a Jew in that? another Jesuit. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Okay, now if you scroll down further and you look at portrait of John Locke by Sir Godfrey Neller, what oh, do you wow. see there? 
<laughs> right. <laughs> He's got the longest nose of all of them. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure it's a nose and not the trunk? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and then you compare those with, uh, you know, like the Supreme Court Justice James Wilson, very Anglo-Saxon face, you know, Benjamin Rush, etc., etc. So you can pretty much yeah. tell a Jew uh, pretty easily. But uh, these uh, these downright uh, you know, evil so-called Catholics uh, with, with their Jesuit influences and uh, you know their acceptance of Jewry into their midst th- through the Jes- through Jesuitry is just a, a total abomination. And now, but of course, that that whole scenario, this whole uh, multiculturalism that we have today, is what these people preached in those days. The Catholic Church being number one in t- in preaching universalism from day one. Yet at the same time. Claim, claiming to be the sole heir of the covenants, namely claiming that the Catholic Church is Israel. There is that, well, there's that contradiction again. Yes. Well, Pastor, um, I have a, a historical writing where in which at the time of the Dutch East Indian Company, the VOC, the general acceptance of those that operated the Dutch East Indian Company, they propagated the concept that they were the descendants of the House of Jacob. In other words, the Israelites, actually they stated that they were Israel. Mm -hmm. Now it is very clear that that, at that stage already, they were in the process of stealing or hijacking the identity of the House of Jacob. Yes. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. And and it was in particular amongst the people of the Dutch East Indian Company that had become so-called new Christians. Remember, they were the Sephardic Jews that they uh, were Talmud uh, followers. And with the, the edict of Alhambra in 1492, they were ousted and banned from... Spain in 1495 banned from Portugal mm-hmm. and they fled many of them fled to England but most of them also fled to Amsterdam because in Amsterdam they had a safe harbor so to speak and they flourished these Sephardic Jews flourished under the uh, what they called the blooming years of Amsterdam right? because, because they were previously known as the uh, merchants of Spain and the merchants of Portugal. And they brought with them, of course, the knowledge of the chartering of the seas and the products which they could derive from across the globe and have the monopoly on those products in Europe. Yeah, and obviously they bribed the Dutch officials to allow them to operate there, having been evicted from Spain. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Okay. So, in fact, uh, what they did, they they managed they managed to obtain the sole trading rights under the the uh, Dutch officials. The Dutch officials granted them sole trading rights, so they were actually biting their own people. Because they gave sole trading rights to the Jews rather than giving an equal opportunity to their own people. But you can mm-hmm. see this undermining of the, the very fiber of their own people at the expense of their own people in favor of the Jews. Yeah. Because these Jews that now become new Christians, like in uh, Spain, they had become conversos, in other words, accepting the Roman Catholic belief system, uh, being uh, uh, Christianized or Christened in the Roman Catholic Church. And in Holland, they became, for, for the sake of gaining the state church as a capital investor in the Dutch East Indian Company, they became Christianized and Calvinistic Christianized. Yeah, horrible. And of course, in... And, and, of course, in that they also executed the various ways in which John Calvin 
had played his monopolizing uh, havoc over a city like Geneva in Switzerland. In other words, Pastor, I have often said in the well in the past few months that Calvinism is a far worse version of Christianity than Roman Catholicism is. Okay. For the reason very few. In fact, I said um, some time ago, I said I don't know of one Boer that had fallen for Roman Catholicism, but 99.9% of all Boers had fallen for Calvinism. Right. Because it looks so uh, scriptural. It looks like Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But uh, Catholicism looks like Christianity to those who are brought up Catholic, right? So so I was raised Catholic, so I see exactly what you're saying. I saw Catholicism up close and personal, but your people see Calvinism up close and personal. You know, both of them are frauds. uh, Absolutely. The the author of this article continues, uh, now this is actually... um, uh, the Great Awakening emerges early 1700s. He says here, this awakening, says historian Paul Johnson in a history of the American people, had European roots among German immigrants, thankful, quote, for their delivery from European poverty and their happy coming into the promised land, unquote. Okay, so they were grateful to get away from the religion practiced by European tyrants, by European churches, etc. Okay, which is exactly the same reason why your Boer people left Europe. Exactly. Exactly the same reason. Okay. But but the Boer people, being from a a different location um, uh, in, in... in Germany, the, the, in Germany and from Prussia, the, the the Republic of Prussia, and even beyond that, um, they they were not christened or Christianized as yet at that stage. Okay, they became forced Christians when they arrived in the Cape. Wow! Because Jan van Riebeck would not recognize their marital status because they did not have certificates. They he did not recognize well. He, he, he demanded that they have marriage certificates before they could obtain their uh, free burger status. Wow. Even in spite of the fact that they had, had uh, completed their 50 months of... Um, indentured servitude. You can say... Yeah. Well, indentured servitude, but also being exploited as white slaves because... Right. Um, the historical writers or historians write about the people that had fled Europe uh, and came to to the Cape as settlers were being exploited as white slaves by the Dutch East Indian Company. Yes, yes. So, uh, one, so one must go ahead. One must also remember that uh, the Dutch East Indian Company's um, employees never came as settlers. They came as temporary uh, uh, administrators, etc., of the Dutch East Indian Company because they could be relocated or, um, uh, uh, well, relocated to any other port in, in across the globe wherever the Dutch East Indian Company had uh, a footprint. Yeah. So they were never seen as settlers. The settlers were the people that fled Europe because of persecution. And, of course, the persecution was on the one hand by the Calvinists and the other hand by the Roman Catholicists. Yes. So, and the, the uh, pastor, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to rob you of an opportunity, but uh, uh-huh. th- there's so much to say about this. Uh, I don't know if you realize where patriot comes from. Okay. The word patriot. You must remember that the Confederates were spoken about in the in the um, history of the United States, as patriots, okay, patriotic. Sure. Do you know where patriot comes from? No, no, I haven't done a word study on that. No. Neither have I. Oh, okay. I woke up. <laughs> I woke up well, actually, it was. Night. Yeah. It was Here used where, where it came from in France. It was used in France by the you know revolutionaries there. Yeah. But but also, 
Um, some time ago, I read an article that I uh, ran across on, on the Internet, and they were speaking about the patriots uh, in Europe during the time of the oppression and the time of the persecution. Okay. And they stated, this article stated that the patriots could be identified by the fact that they always prayed before they ate their meals. Okay. In other words, it was a unique um, a unique identification uh, or a unique, unique item by which the patriots would be identified. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that okay. they prayed before their meals. A second one was that they observed the seventh, seventh day Sabbath. Okay. It's very clear. So again, but Christian I, Christian biblical terminology. Again, and no, we have we've yep. gotten away from that so egregiously in the modern world that uh, you know Yahweh is punishing us for abandoning then our roots. The thing, then the other thing, what I said, I I was awakened this during this past week, and the first thing that came into my mind was patriot. Mm-hmm. Remember what I've said so many times that. When the angel visited me, the angel said to me that he would divulge certain key words to me by which I should go and search. Right. On the basis of that key word, I should go and search for the evidence of the revelations that he had made unto me. And I woke up with the word patriot. Why would they be called patriots? Mm -hmm. Because even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about the Boers. During the Anglo-Boer War, and he, he actually wrote about the Boers' history, and he said that they were patriotic with a dour fatalistic Old Testament religion. You, <laughs> right. can, you, can, you can evaluate that dour fatalistic uh, well, Old Testament religion. Lo- loyal to biblical law. <laughs> Patriots. Biblical law, but, right. but also in neglect of reference to the New Testament, if I can call it that. I don't like to speak about the Old Testament, New Testament, because Father Yahweh is not expected to die, so he wouldn't write or give his people a testament. But that is why the Boers had a a very firm belief in the Old Testament, if I can call it that, Hmm? because they were not yet exposed to the... um, To, to the to the New Testament. Yeah, and there was no such else. thing as an uncorrupt version of the New Testament at that time. There just wasn't. Catholic Church and the Calvinism and uh, the emerging uh, you know Reformation all had yes. various problems, serious problems. Now, yeah. now, a patriot comes from two words, pater, yot. Now, if you say that. Patriot in, in yeah. Afrikaans, patriot. Pater is a, yeah. a Latin word for father. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Father, yes. Pater. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's also a, a German word which means also father. Pater. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, Jot is the first character of the Tetragrammaton which defines Father Yahweh's name. Right. So, by being called a patriot, you were actually calling upon Father Yahweh on his name, or mm. by his name, and that gave you the label of being called a patriot. Right. Okay. How wonderful. So, so this actually means Father Yahweh in a shortened form. Exactly. Okay. Patriotter was what they were actually called. They were patriotters. In other words, they were calling upon Father Yahweh yeah. by his name. Okay. And that also signified the people that prayed before they ate and also the people, the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath. Sabbath. Right. Right. And that, of course, was one of the reasons why they were persecuted by input. Yeah, Catholics. <laughs> uh, 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 extensively. Right. No, not by the Catholics, by by the Calvinists, because oh, really? John Calvin preferred to to banish absolutely, because he preferred to banish his people that that uh, uh, inter uh, that, that did not agree with him in his um, religious system. He 
Okay. Banned them or banished them to the to the stakes. Right. Yeah, he, he executed at the many. Stakes. Yeah. So he was no better exactly. than the Catholic Church. <laughs> he executed a lot of people. Absolutely not. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, between Catholicism and Calvinism, and uh, you know what was going on in Europe in those days, the common people could barely escape being uh, you know persecuted by religious re- religious re- leaders that was the reality that's why yeah. they came to america and that's why they fled uh, europe to go to south africa that, that's uh, religious yeah. persecution okay so now we have it again all over again now but more t- today it's t- more of a a political persecution but again yeah. it's it's we israelites who are the persecuted people we yes. just can't get away from persecution, no matter what. Exactly what is um, written. Yeah. Exactly what is written in the Deuteronomy 28. Father Yahweh said that He would test us. If we fail the test, He would send the sword after us. Right. Yeah. And that is exactly what's happening. Yeah. So if if we if we don't have a large number of Americans uh, regaining our faith and practicing Yahweh's laws then uh, there's going to be massive numbers of Americans slaughtered, just as in the Old Testament days when Yahweh chastised the Israelites for their pagan rituals, for abandoning his laws. uh, He sent angels in to destroy them, his own people. Absolutely. Right? So why can't that happen again today? It will happen again today. Well, in in, uh, Deuteronomy 30, Father Yahweh very definitely and unequivocally states that if the people, if his people would humble themselves and it's it's a very, that's the only solution for us to get out of this right. current yeah. uh, oppression and this current uh, uh, being uh, enslaved by the Edomites right. is for the house of Jacob to again to bow down and humble themselves before Yahweh to seek his face and then to identify their sins. Pastor, there's a very definite indication in the scriptures why specific sins had to be, um, uh, uh, had had demanded specific uh, offers, uh, offer of of, uh, sanctification or offer of uh, cleansing, um, cleanliness or Cleansing. The remission of sins was, can only be by the shedding of blood, as the scripture says. So there's a reason why the scripture indicates to us that a particular sin had to be redeemed or had to be remitted against the blood of a particular um, offering. And that indicates to me very clearly that Father Yahweh demands that we name the sin that we have done. Uh-huh. The sin that we are, have become guilty of, we must name it by the name. Because if we don't name that sin that we have, that we are guilty of, we don't even recognize the fact that we have sinned. Because yes. that which, the sins that we have committed, knowingly and unknowingly, um, there's a, a remission of sins that we know of, and then there is an annual humbling for the sins that we are unaware of. But okay. we, I mean, for so many for so many generations, we haven't done that. So we have sins upon sins loaded upon ourselves, and then also the sins of the fathers. Yes, it's a very clear indication in Nehemiah nine were in which yes. the sins of the fathers had to be remitted right. and had to be humbled about. And, um, yes. Uh, uh, well, we need to humble ourselves and repent. This is, what's, uh, this is the only thing standing between us and our salvation, second coming of Christ. It's going yeah. to be a judgment. It's going to be a harsh judgment against all those Israelites who refuse to obey his laws. Okay, Pastor, yeah. we have to call it uh, a show and uh, we'll see what uh, January 20th has in store for us, whether or yes. not uh, you know we're going to be judged very harshly or less harshly, but we're going to be judged. It's not going to be I've pleasant. Got some new, I've, I've got some news for you on that as well, Pastor. Be okay. blessed, and thank you for a, 
a jolly good show. Thank you. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening, patriots. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Yahweh bless everybody. Bye-bye. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.